For those of you who have just joined us for worship, we want to tell you the evening really began wonderfully with a concert by Ralph Carmichael. We honored Jesus Christ. We're in the worship mode, and we're just going to continue that right on through the midnight hour. One thing that I wanted to uh, tell all of you, even if you didn't have a ticket tonight, we have so much food left that uh, after this service, if you'd like to join us for bringing in the millennium, we also could feed you, and we would be delighted to. We want to uh, tell you this worship service is really pointed in one direction. This is a celebration. It's one of those nights that we've just been looking forward to leading you in worship because Jesus Christ is our center and our purpose is to honor him for 2,000 years of his impact upon the world. So praise is totally in order. The other thing that we hope we'll be able to give you is hope and encouragement because that's going to be the direction of our message tonight. In a world that's been shaking about Y2K and wondering what the next 1,000 years hold, we Christians know. And I'm going to remind you of what you know, and then I trust that because of that, you'll find optimism and joy and excitement and all kinds of good things filling up your souls as we go to bring in the millennium at 12 o'clock. And so with all of this in mind, Doug's going to open the worship service for us. Thanks, Walt. You know what I'm grateful for at the end of this millennium, Walt? I'm grateful for your leadership in this church. And I just need to say that before all these people. You have, uh, you have taken us well by God's providence into uh, a new millennium, into a new century, into a new year, and we're thankful for that. Uh, for those of you who were just rehearsing with us, because we didn't have very much time to rehearse before, we were turning this all around, uh, thank you for coming to the second service uh, this evening. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed as much as you did the first service. Uh, uh, tonight we have a couple of guests. Artie Storch is playing percussion and drums for us. Uh, we're just so thrilled to have Artie back. He played Christmas Eve. He's so wonderful. And uh, for those of you who are at the concert, you already heard my little boy Stephen playing with the big band, and he's here playing with us tonight. And we're just going to have a wonderful time of joy tonight, and I urge you to participate with everything that's in you as we come to the close of this evening, uh, giving God thanks and prayer. Let's uh, spend some moments in quiet, anticipating what God has in store for us and what we might bring to the throne of God by way of our praises tonight. Bless your name. 
thanksgiving in your heart and give him praise. Give him praise. Come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. Your voices raise. Voices
seated. That last song that we just sang captures really the reason that we are here tonight. As we just approach an hour before the year 2000, I think it's appropriate to ask the question, 2,000 years since what? And the answer is 2,000 years of God's faithfulness through Jesus Christ and of the impact that he has had on our world. That is what we come to celebrate tonight. And you can see the impact Jesus has had on our lives and on our world in all the ordinary things around us. Just take as an example the license plate on your car or all the checks you write or the letters you receive, even that blinking light on your VCR. All of them reference a date that is, that is a, a sign, a symbol of all the years that have passed since Jesus Christ has been alive and active on our world and all the changes that he has made, the impact he has had. Now, if you had been there when he was born, you probably would not have seen it as the most important thing in all of human history. In fact, if you had been walking by the barn that night in that nowhere village called Bethlehem, and you saw those two teenage peasants lay their baby in a feeding trough, you probably would not have thought to yourself, hmm, there's the most important thing that's ever going to happen in the world. But it was. It's like the Christmas carol says, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. And from that small, almost imperceptible moment, God has been at work transforming the entire course of human history. Look at the impact Jesus Christ has had. Right? He saved us. He forgave us of our sins. He put us in right relationship with God. That's good enough, right? That's big enough. But more than that, he has changed our world. For instance, Jesus invented the idea of the individual. Jesus showed us that every human being mattered, whether rich or poor, because he was willing to die for them. And from that idea of the value of the individual eventually emerged our notion of democracy, where each individual vote matters. Jesus transformed the status of women. Before Jesus, women were just considered property. But Jesus treated them with dignity and honor. And gradually, that respect for women has caught on. And now, women have been increasingly freed from the sexist constraints of the past. That happened in Christian countries. Nowhere else. It was Christian universities that preserved learning that eventually led to the science and technology that we enjoy today. And it's been Christian missionaries and social workers like Mother Teresa who have been caring for the poor and the oppressed and the outcast simply because Jesus Christ commanded them to. He has made a very big difference in our world. Now, I admit it has not all been perfect in the last 2,000 years. There have been some terrible mistakes. The Crusades come to mind. The Inquisition, slavery, imperialism, all done in the name of Jesus. And even today, there's all kinds of mean nastiness that gets passed off as the will of God. But over the long haul, over the last 2,000 years, looking back through reform and counter-reform and the prayers of the saints, God's truth has somehow always managed to win. He has been faithful even when we have been faithless and stupid. 
It says, if a door in Palestine was opened 2,000 years ago in a very dark world, and it let, that door, when it was opened, let in just a sliver of light, and it was very small at first, but that door has been gradually opening ever since, and that sliver of light has been getting wider and wider and wider for the last 2,000 years, and it will only keep getting wider and wider, and God's truth will only go marching on until he comes again. Christianity has changed the world and will keep changing the world. Christianity will keep marching on. It is and has been and will be for a long time the world's largest religion. And it is no longer a religion for white European people. The people who take the name Christian are now African and Asian and Latin America. And in spite of world wars and atomic weapons and racism and holocausts and heresies and blasphemies and you name it, by God's power alone, his good news continues to spread and to grow. And that, that is why we are here tonight. This night belongs to Jesus Christ and to his church. It is not about balls dropping in Times Square in New York City. It's not just an excuse to throw a great party. What this moment marks is the number of years that God has been faithful to us and all the centuries that he has been at work in our world making it a better place. For 2,000 years now, the kingdom of this world has been in a process of becoming the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And it will keep doing that until he comes again and sets everything right and makes everything new and reigns forever and ever and ever. That is the truth we celebrate tonight. That is the promise we claim tonight as we go expectantly, fearlessly, and hopefully into the third millennium of God's reign on planet Earth through his son, Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, God opened a door in Palestine, and we have seen the glory of the Lord shining through it ever since.
as you have been in the past. You are the hope for our future. We look not just at today, but we look at the days of our lives and we stack those stones of remembrance for the great faithfulness that you have brought to our lives. We pray that in the days that are to come, you will bless us with your sweet and gracious peace as we become people who follow you with whole hearts. Give us hearts to praise you as we are about to do. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
kisses? Sure. <laughs> Am I correct? <laughs> Douglas. Am I correct? Huh? Am I correct? Yeah. You look shocked. Oh no. <laughs> you know the wonderful I'm thing about shocked. Okay. The wonderful thing about tonight is we're just sort of relaxed and we're having a party in worship. And that's so great. And I want you to start doing now what you're gonna do at twelve o'clock. And that is we're going to celebrate as Christians, give each other hugs, wish each other a happy new year, and this beats Times Square all over the place. Let's greet each other. As you're seated, let's read together this great truth from Romans 8:28 and other selected scriptures. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or danger or sword no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Separates me from your love, O God. Nothing, nothing separates me from your love, O God. Nothing, neither trust.
I consider that our present sufferings are, are not, not worthy comparing with the glory that, that will be revealed in us. We, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. God will make the way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will please. Lord Jesus, for 2,000 years now, you have been making a way where there seemed to be no way at all. We come here tonight to thank you for your unending faithfulness to us and to thank you for all the ways that you have been at work in our world to advance your good news to everybody. And we ask that you would just continue to do that, continue to work in our world to heal the places of violence and poverty and despair. And Lord, for those who are lonely, we ask that you bring them comfort. And for the sick, that you would bring your healing. And for those who have no hope, that you would give them hope in you. And Lord, we know also that you came not just to change our world, but to change us as individuals as well. And so we ask that you would do that. Wherever there is sin in our lives, Wherever there is short-sightedness or rebellion or selfishness, we ask that you would come into our lives and reform us from the inside out. Lord, thank you that you don't leave us the way you found us. Thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive us from all our sins, to transform us into new people, and to give us strength and power. And all of these things, Lord, we pray in your name as we pray together the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As the ushers come forward to receive our gifts and our offerings, which are really signs of our gratitude to God, 
Let's continue to praise him for his faithfulness to us in the past, for the hope we have in him for our futures.
Lord God, thank you so much for all you have given us. We pray that you take these gifts and these offerings and that you would use them to be busy at work in our world, spreading your good news. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When Joshua was leading the people of Israel into the promised land, it was a very frightening experience. They'd never been there before. And he gave them this great verse from God. He told the people, be strong. Don't be discouraged. Be courageous. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I was thinking on the eve of this new millennium, it seems so appropriate for us to consider a promise from God for our time that seems custom-made even for this moment. It's my verse that I have on my business card. It's Jeremiah 29.1. God is speaking, and he says, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And tonight I'd like in God's behalf to give you a gift of knowing that God has plans for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That certainty provides certain priceless treasures for us that is the ground for our celebration that makes us different from simply people on the street. These treasures include hope and expectancy and peace and trust and above all joy. So I want us to think just for a few moments before we take communion about this, this promise that God has regarding your future and mine because we're his children tonight. First, why do we need such certainty? Certainty about God's plans for our tomorrows delivers us from the darkness of fear that fills so many hearts tonight. I was kind of just looking around this last week to feel what the pulse of the society and our environment was saying, and this is some of the things I observed. One modern observer of American society wrote, a feeling of hopelessness is sweeping America, a general feeling we're living in a declining civilization. In an interview with the press, a San Francisco supervisor said, we've lost the city. The problems are too overwhelming. The resources that we have, totally insufficient. And then over at Pete's the other day, someone told me, I live with a sense of chronic dread and unhappiness, and I don't have any hope for anything getting better. And I thought, how sad. Can you imagine approaching tomorrow, believing that only fate or luck, or the government, or something, or someone else is in control of our future. You see, tonight I remind us that as Christians, our Heavenly Father says He's executing plans for our welfare, good plans for us, that He might prosper us so that we're in His hands, in His care. And that certainty is as vital as the air we breathe. Certainty about our future means that no matter what you brought with you tonight, or tomorrow that you may have to confront. We know as we sang, our God will make a way when there seems to be no way. With God, nothing's impossible. We know God keeps his promises. In fact, that, the fact that our God keeps his promises fills us with expectancy that somehow, even through the fog that some of us are in tonight, we know divine glad surprises are possible. So bottom line, what I want to tell you or remind you of is that as Christians... The best is yet to be. Sin, evil, sickness, death have been conquered through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is crazy in love with every one of us tonight. He rejoices over us, and we're going to live with him forever. 
And nothing can happen to us that will ever separate us from his love. And I ask, what greater assurance do we need to experience joy and peace and expectancy and optimism and have those treasures spring up in our souls rather than shake in fear as we approach a new millennium? I want to tell you that worry for a Christian is absolutely irrational behavior. Tom Sine describes the impact that this certainty can have upon our lives when everything around us seems a little chaotic. If you are among those who are experiencing a ride on the wild side, if you're feeling out of control, let me whisper an important word in your ear. All appearances to the contrary, the Creator God is quietly transforming our future-shocked world. <coughs> While we may feel out of control, our God isn't. At the very core of our being, we are people of a wild, outrageous hope. We believe that the God who began this entire venture will write the final chapter and make all things new. And Scripture tells us that God invites us to be part of this venture. I think that's terribly true and terribly exciting. Contrast that confidence in Christ <coughs> with the television commercial. We've all seen it, that new model of automobile. The car, the, the car is in Times Square shortly before midnight on New Year's Eve. The ball drops at the midnight hour. The Y2K bug sets in big. Lights go out all over the city. The world shuts down. And at that point, the headlights of this particular automobile come on. The motor starts. It roars away. And the final word was, our vehicle is Y2K compliant. In other words, whatever happens, if you own this car, you'll be okay. <laughs> and somehow they thought that would sell. Because that's about as shallow as the kind of confidence people have in our world. Contrast that with us. <coughs> Isn't it good to know that as followers of Jesus, no matter what lights go out or what unexpected intruders might enter our lives, and they do come, we can be filled with the knowledge that our God has gone ahead of us and he told us to be courageous, don't be afraid, because I'm with you wherever you go. The psalmist puts it this way, Oh Lord, you've examined my heart, you know everything about me, you know when I sit or stand, you chart the path ahead of me, you tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment you know where I am, and this is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. I can never be lost to your spirit. I can never get away from my God. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the morning winds to the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, your strength will support me. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. And when I waken in the morning, you're still thinking of me. Search me, O oh God, know my heart, test my thoughts, and point out anything you find in me that makes you sad, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Hal Helms articulated a parallel promise that I read to staff that Doug thought I should include tonight. I agree with him. Hear, my child, there is no need that I cannot fill, no situation I cannot redeem, your faith is still dwarfed and stymied by your reasoning, and your deep fear is your product. Only by trusting me beyond the limits of your reasoning can you begin to have freedom from your plaguing fears. The future is mine, your future, and the future of your loved ones. I'm aware of all your circumstances and the anxieties you entertain even in sleep about those you love. Be of good cheer. I'm still at work. I've not forgotten my promises. And my plans for you are good, not evil. Stay on the path I've set before you and trust me for all that is to come. That's a summary of what God wants you to know tonight. His plans for you are good. 
And that's the ground for celebration. But I, I want to close by reminding us, you know, it's neat to know God's going ahead of us past the midnight hour into a new millennium. But you know, best of all, as Christians, we're not bound to this world, and God's provision is not simply limited to three score years and ten. Best of all, we know tonight that if we're absent from the body, we're going to be present with the Lord. <clears throat> One of my friends lost his wife due to cancer just a few days ago. I th guess I can tell you his name because I told him I was going to use this. That's Wilbur Madison. And the day Patsy died, they had read this devotion together from John Bailey. <clears throat> Let me never think, O eternal Father, that I'm here to stay. Let me still remember that I'm a stranger and pilgrim on this earth. Preserve me by thy grace, good Lord, from so losing myself in the joys of earth that I may have no longing left for the pure joys of heaven. And if instead of happiness I have today to suffer disappointment or defeat, if there has been any sorrow where I, have, where I had hoped for joy or sickness where I had looked for health, give me grace to accept it from thy hand as a loving reminder that this is not my home. And above all, I thank thee for the sure hope and promise of an endless life which thou hast given me in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, my Lord. For these reasons and so many more, brothers and sisters, I would remind us on the eve of a millennium, the best is yet to be. And now we go to communion in anticipation of God's goodness that not only in this world, but we have a future home made possible because our Lord lived and he died and he was resurrected and he's coming again for you and me and we're going to meet him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Would you bow with me in prayer? <coughs> Heavenly Father, we are so grateful tonight. We're filled with joy. Thank you for the hope that is ours that we take with us into a brand new beginning. Thank you we don't have to be terrified. Thank you we can trust you and we love you for it in Jesus' name.
As you continue holding your bread, I would remind you of the words of Paul the Apostle when he said, I delivered unto you as of first importance what I also received, how the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had broken it, he said, this is my body broken for you. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, drink ye all of it. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he come. And tonight we also think it points us toward that time when the first thing we'll do in heaven is sit down at the marriage feast of the Supper of the Lamb, and I think that's going to be a great moment. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the miracle of your love, ever reaching, ever searching, never giving up, and tonight we respond and we say thank you. And we love you for what you've done for 2,000 years. We thank you for what you're going to do forever. Begin tonight in our life to make us more like you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. the same manner. After supper, Jesus took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new and the everlasting covenant poured out in my blood for the remission of your sins. All of you drink from this, and as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim his death and our need for it until he comes again. And as a sign that even though we are one body, we still come through the turnstile of our Lord one by one, we invite you to hold the cup, take a moment of reflection, and drink as you feel led, as a sign of your individual relationship with Jesus Christ and of your desire to know him personally and be made new by him. The blood of Christ shed for you.
the best New Year's Eve I've ever had. I don't know about you. We are going to continue to celebrate and continue to stand firm on the promise that the best is yet to be. We're going to go over into Fellowship Hall and ring in the new year and the new millennium. As you go over, grab something to drink and get ready to bring in the new millennium. And as you go, remember this. And now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all you can ask or even imagine, according to the power at work within you, to him be glory and honor in the church, both now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.